Welcome in everyone and thank you for listening to the 125th ever episode of the Missouri Sports Podcast brought to you by 106 Apparel and recording from the Revel Advertising Studio in beautiful Springfield, Missouri. I'm one of your hosts, Cameron Albert, alongside my good friend and fellow Mizzou fan, Kyle DeVries. How are you doing today, Kyle? I'm great, Cameron. How are you? I'm doing very well. I couldn't be doing any better. We just sat here for like <laughs> three hours before time to record the podcast, just talking about, you know, just any topic that popped into our heads. And then uh, figured, you know, at some point tonight, like, we why are we actually, here? Yeah, we, oh, we better yeah. actually record this. We have to record a podcast. We just love our quality time, I we, suppose. This is our quality time. This is our, this is our midweek, just hang out time with the boys and talk about Mizzou and literally everything else in the world, <laughs> yes. but we don't, rec- we don't record that part. We <laughs> might. <laughs> if, if we need to blackmail somebody, we could always pull that out. <laughs> yeah, but like me, yes, probably. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Kyle, we've got some stuff to talk about today. We have a new defensive coordinator. We also had a couple additions to the Mizzou football team, and we have some basketball games to recap and a big one to preview but before we do that we got to give a shout out to our youtube subscribers that number keeps coming up going up we appreciate every single one of them and uh if you are just listening to us on a podcast feed feel free to hop over to youtube even if you don't want to watch us there all the time a subscription is very helpful um, and if you're already subscribed we appreciate you um, if you are watching this on YouTube and you're not subscribed, please subscribe. It helps us out. Anything you want to add there? Yeah, I, that covered it really well. Really well. And if you comment on YouTube, I'm just sitting there waiting to reply. <laughs> Kyle gets all the engagement on Twitter. I get the crumbs of the YouTube comments. But we're gonna we're gonna develop a little community. We're building. There. We're building yes. a community. Yeah. So Please I, comment. Tell I, us your thoughts. I appreciate everybody that comments there. I, that's the highlight of my day when I get to reply to that. All right, Kyle. We got Steve Wilkes, new defensive coordinator. I wore my hunting attire last week. And yes. It, it, it must have worked. Yep. Because here we are, new defensive coordinator. Thanks to me. Thanks to my orange hoodie. And I think this is, I think this is a great hire. I think this is uh, honestly I never saw this coming in a million years. I never saw uh, someone who spent a long time in the NFL. Uh, he's a little older than I was thinking, um, but you know I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing. Um, it, it, it's interesting, but but I think I, I think I like it, and I, I think I can. Um, I'm excited about it. I like it too. Um, before we get too far into this let's get everybody up to speed on who exactly steve wilkes is uh, as you alluded to he is 51 years old that's not too terribly old as far as uh, college coaches go uh, he actually attended appalachian state so there's a tie there with uh, eli drinkwitz uh, he's had a tremendous number of stops as a coach uh, obviously all on the defensive side of the ball uh, mostly defensive backs he coached defensive backs at Illinois State, Appalachian State, East Tennessee State, Bowling Green, Notre Dame, Washington, the Chicago Bears, San Diego Chargers, Carolina Panthers. Uh, Those were all defensive backs among other roles uh, in addition to that. Um, Had a great defense in Carolina. Absolutely. You were Carolina Panthers. Oh, yeah. I was excited. When I saw his name being floated around, I took me back to the most recent 
golden years of Panther football when they had an excellent defense. Keekly? Oh, yeah. Um, you know, went to the Super Bowl and everything. We don't. I, it's weird that they didn't play a Super Bowl that Was he year. their defensive coordinator when they went to the Super Bowl? He was not. He was uh, the assistant head coach and defensive backs coach gotcha. when they went to the Super Bowl. He became the defensive coordinator maybe a year or two after that. But then he was hired as the Arizona Cardinals head coach, but was only there one season. I don't think they ever committed to him properly, I would say. Um because they gave him one year they won three weird. games and had ended up with you know top pick in the draft so yeah kyler um, murray is there because of that season right so maybe you know typically you see what a coach can do with the number one pick but uh they obviously had eyes for cliff kingsbury got him in there it's just so little time to get something going to yeah get your scheme implemented and you're in your staff on a roll and it, i don't know that just seems like he kind of got shafted there for sure yeah and at the time it's not like cliff kingsbury was like at the top of the world you know no. it's not like there were people left and right trying to snatch him up exactly and maybe there was more of a market there than we know but he didn't exactly set the world on fire at, at texas tech no. uh so then he took a year well maybe i'm getting this mixed up he immediately became the the browns head uh head defensive coach is what i was trying there to say there you go <laughs> <Defensive> <laughs> kind of defensive coordinator for the browns mm -hmm. uh but that whole staff got let go and then he took a year off and looking at potential stops and i read somewhere that he had actually been in contact with eli drinkwitz when drinkwitz was at appalachian state so obviously since that was his alma mater uh, but it came together here at missouri for this upcoming season yeah, he definitely. I don't know. had a, had a had some rough stops at some of his most recent places, and it sounds like not all of it was his fault. And especially the Browns. I mean, they had a decent defense, and I think Freddie Kitchens was a horrible head coach and was not meant to be in that role. There's a lot of dysfunction, and that was an awful year for the Browns. So, um, so obviously they kind of just wiped everybody out uh, that was there that year, but. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really blame him for taking a year off. Like, he just has all these, like, one-year stints, you know, that weren't going really well, and a lot of it was probably out of his control. He said, I maybe need to just hit the reset button, take a year off, and, and start somewhere new. And I saw that um, he did an interview with The Athletic, um, and like you said, he, he mentioned in this article uh, that he wanted to go visit Missouri and, mm -hmm. and take a visit with Eli Drinkwitz. So maybe this has kind of been in the works for a while, but – um, he also mentioned that in his next stop, he wanted some longevity because he's tired of having one year stops everywhere. And that's just not healthy for anybody to, to probably operate like that. So, um, it seems like that is a promising thing for his, his buy-in and for Missouri. And he wants to, uh, just really continue his career here and, and be here for a little while. Yeah. Um, it's, it worries me a little bit that he's been removed from the recruiting scene for so long. I agree. But he was in the thick of it for many years, uh, coaching in the college ranks. And, you know, I'm sure we don't necessarily need him to be a hotshot recruiter that's um, snatching up a bunch of big names because I think uh, Drinkwitz himself, you know, that's one of his uh, stronger suits. Um, I was thinking back to our conversation from last week when we talked about kind of what we were looking for, and you and I both had very, like extreme opposite desires and what we wanted out of a defensive coordinator. I said I wanted it heavily skewed towards recruiting, 
and just get the best players possible and get them out on the field and see what happens. And you said you leaned more towards, uh, you didn't care as much about recruiting and was more interested in player development and whoever we get here, coaching them up, you know, for the three or four seasons that they're here. So where do you think this lands on that spectrum? That's really tough to know just because he's been out of the recruiting game for so long. And, but, but I do think that being able to say I was a head coach in the NFL two or three years ago, I think that has a lot of credibility and I think that's a great thing. Um, I definitely don't think that he's going to be a bad recruiter, especially with the momentum Missouri has on their program right now. I think it would be, it would be tough to be a bad recruiter for Missouri, I think right now. Um, but I, I don't know. He, he seems like a very, very wise guy who's who's been around the block many times, has a lot of good experience in, in life and in football. Yeah. I think that he could be a, a great recruiter. Um, Scheme-wise, um, it's again, it's tough to know. Arizona was terrible that year he was there. But um, traditionally, he's, he's run a 4-3 base defense wherever he's been, um, which is four down linemen, three linebackers. Um, but in Arizona, for 80% of their snaps, they ran a nickel defense. So two two linebackers, five DBs. So almost that's, just playing the pass a lot. And that's basically what Missouri's been doing yeah. the last few years. Yeah, so that may be with what they do next year at Mizzou. I don't know. It'll be really interesting to see what they do scheme-wise. But I've heard he likes to blitz all night, yeah. as they would say <laughs> on Rumor of the Titans. Yeah. You understand that's, that reference now. Of course, yeah. <laughs> Not well, too long ago, you would I wouldn't have known what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think I, I, I love uh, an aggressive defense. I think it's uh, puts put pressure on the quarterback, get the quarterback uneasy and uncomfortable. I, that you, that's never a bad thing. Yeah, that's where we both agreed last week and what we want to see is uh, rushing the passer more consistently. Um, I do worry sometimes that obviously when you're – when you have a, a good pass rush, sometimes if it's not, if your defense isn't very balanced behind it, you can just like feast on bad offensive lines and bad teams and then just get destroyed uh, by teams that are a little bit more well-rounded if your uh, linebackers and secondary aren't, you know, where they need to be. But uh, since his specialty is in the secondary, uh, like Ryan Walter's specialty was previously, um, I don't know. I, I still just hope we can get the talent to Columbia and then uh, see where we go from there. Um, and that's looking good for the next couple seasons. Um, obviously, the recruiting momentum is there. So if he can just kind of fit seamlessly into what they've, go- what they've got going on, yeah, I, th- I think – I don't think it's a, a home run hire necessarily. Um one thing I do like about him is that he's coached really bad teams and really good teams. And he's been a part of like storied programs like Notre Dame and, you know, kind of like the history behind an organization like the Chicago Bears. But then he's also coached, you know, teams that don't have that much of a history like the Chargers, Panthers, Arizona Cardinals. Um, and a place like Washington that doesn't really have a storied program history. So um, there's a lot of losing seasons under his belt, which I think you need sometimes. And that was actually something that kind of worried me about Eli Drinkwitz himself was just the fact that we he's just been 
pretty successful in his career even as an assistant he always was uh for the most part a part of winning cultures so hopefully you can just kind of instill that from day one and and keep rolling but hopefully we don't have to know how eli drinkwitz reacts to a disappointing season <laughs> yeah that's true yeah that's, that's a great point that i hadn't really thought about was just a a wealth of, of experience good and bad times and those are absolutely experiences that you can learn from both uh he, he also went to the super bowl with the bears mm. so and that was in 2006 so he actually lost twice mm. to a peyton manning led team in the super bowl he's good peyton mm. manning he, yeah he was good uh with this news of a new defensive coordinator though we have news that defensive line coach brick haley is out and last i saw it was just a it was kind of being talked about as a mutual parting of ways so i've seen it reported a couple of different ways i i i I saw it reported on on power mizzou i i guess they they were kind of speculating on I don't really know. I, they seem to be undecided. Mm-hmm. I, I saw it. Uh, Yahoo speculated that it was he was fired, mm-hmm. and I'm not sure anybody really knows for sure what exactly the case was there. But um, either way, he's gone. Um, and I definitely thought whenever I saw that news about Brick Haley, I, I speculated that would mean David Gibbs was probably out as a candidate, and they were probably going to bring in somebody new completely mm-hmm. and just start over on on probably most of the defensive positions, which we talked about that makes sense kind of keeps keep consistency with ryan walters and and all those guys that were on staff before coach got here keep him here for a year and then maybe kind of start over um after a year but i think brick haley had his moments at mizzou he seems like a really interesting guy um, the players seem to just absolutely love him yeah i think he was i think he was loved by the players i think he had some good re- recruiting moments um our, def- our our defensive line play on the field, however, was was never re- very good whenever yeah. he was here. Yeah, there were some standout players, uh, it seemed like, kind of anchoring the defensive line and keeping it from being a disaster at times. Right. Yeah, Jordan Elliott w- and was definitely probably the best player that, that came, uh, on the defensive line that came through while he was here. Yeah, that definitely helps uh, the whole line quite a bit. For sure. Um, so I think it's definitely possible that um, maybe we're looking at somebody that potentially Steve Wilkes, I mean, he, he'll probably have some say in uh, who replaces Brick Haley. So uh, we still have another coaching search on our hands. Oh, yeah. Coach and, Cool. <laughs> yeah, probably not. <laughs> he'll bring the playbook back with him. Yeah, please. That he stole yeah, we'll, we'll or whatever that, that was. <laughs> uh okay so keeping it uh on the football side of things real quick tyson ford chose notre dame not super surprising yeah the crystal balls all went to notre dame late had previously been on oklahoma um that's a that's a miss but we'll move on can't get them all yeah he'll be a good player i'm sure Still, still time. Before, still time before ac- football actually starts. Uh, then we did get commitments to Missouri from a 2022 wide receiver out of uh, I think Overland Park, Kansas, Makai Miller, and I'm committing to the pronunciation Makai. 
I believe we have a uh, Mechie Wingo, Mechie Wingo, who's uh, in this most recent Mizzou class. Yeah. Uh, but but we're going with with Mackay on this one. Uh, we're gonna have to see what the official pronunciation guide in the uh, media guide says when yeah. they get on campus. Twenty twenty two wide receiver um, committed to Missouri. He is, was unranked on most of the recruiting services, but I think he saw, I saw he had offers from Cal, Nebraska, Iowa, in addition to Missouri. Tennessee, I think, too. Yeah. Yeah, on, like, 24-7, he was unranked. On, on Rivals, he was actually ranked, uh, like, a high three-star, which mm. was surprised me because I looked at 24-7 first, yeah. and it kind of was like, okay. But uh, but Rivals has him as a high uh, three star, and then one of the analysts uh, for Rivals came on there and kind of gave a little bit of background info that they that they like him quite a bit. Um, and yeah, he he's an interesting prospect. He's pretty well rounded. Um, he's fairly tall too. I think he's six one, six two. But um, he just ha- he's really good hands. Uh, he had like ninety three catches last year and like eighteen touchdowns or something. So. Uh, pretty dominant force for his high school team and sounds like they they look to him a lot um, in that offense but um, I haven't watched a ton of him you know I I watched his film but I would definitely maybe compare him a little bit to a Kiki Chisholm or something like that I don't know that he's gonna be burning people like constantly in college but um, a guy that can make those tough contested catches in traffic and um, those are very important as well the other commitment that we got just today, right? Or was that yesterday? <laughs> Who was it? Uh, oh. Blaze. Blaze was yesterday. Yesterday. Uh, grad transfer linebacker from Rice. Yes. Blaze Aldridge. Great name, first yeah. of all. Um, yeah, that, I mean, obviously that was that was a position we knew we were going to go out and get was a linebacker, an experienced linebacker in the in the transfer portal. Um, I, I like this. I like this kid's uh, film quite a bit. You know, he's he's pretty quick. He is um, he's aggressive. He's involved in what seems like every play. In 2019, he had like over a hundred tackles and 21 and a half tackles for loss. That's insane. I could not believe my eyes when I saw that on his little stat sheet yeah. on ESPN. 21 and a half tackles for loss. I, I can't even imagine how that's possible. But uh, that's just a guy who's going hard every single play. And, uh, it seems like that, that would pair nicely with a defensive coordinator who likes to blitz quite a bit. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. But he's got one season of eligibility. Uh, I think I saw that he too. led, was it Conference USA? Yes. In tackles the last two seasons? Yeah. And he was all conference both seasons? Yeah. Oof. That's a, that's a good pickup. That's a great pickup. you got to love just like snatching one of the best players from an entire conference and be like, okay. Yeah, I mean, come on down. Well, that's one hundred percent a great thing about. Uh, that's the fun part about transfer season, and you know you can say whatever you want about all the transfers and all that stuff. But a lot of times, guys are making good decisions for their careers, and I think this is a great example of a guy who's gonna probably put himself on the NFL, on the NFL radar by by playing a season at Missouri in, in the SEC. Uh, that's a fantastic opportunity for somebody. And when you're looking around, from obviously we. We have experienced this in both sports um, when players were transferring left and right out of Mizzou basketball not too long ago. Um, you'd kind of look around and still, to some extent, still happening. You kind of look around at where they end up, and that says quite a bit about how maybe how much of a miss they were for the re- their original recruitment. 
and uh, you know some guys just go on to dominate at a lower, you know, uh, less competitive conference. Um, so it, I always like to keep track of guys that transfer out, but uh, on the good end of that, you have a guy that just is dominating in a lower conference, and you say, hey, you want to come try that in the SEC? And that's yeah, just... Yeah, I mean, it's so tough to evaluate players coming out of high school. I mean, guys, teams miss on people all the time, mm-hmm. and there's... I mean, you, you see guys get drafted from small conferences and then go be successful in the NFL. It's even more likely that a guy from a lower-level conference, at, you know, the, the top of the, the Conference USA players could easily be successful on an SEC team. And I 100% expect Blaze to come in and start next year because if, you, if you're going to go out and get a grad transfer for one season of eligibility, you're basically guaranteeing them uh, a spot. Uh, they're going to be a contributor. Uh, any other football news before we switch things over to basketball? Is Patrick Mahomes going to play this weekend? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. All he did was, you know, pinch a thing. All he did is get choked out and yeah. concussion and stand up and look like he didn't know what planet he was on. Yeah. That was actually kind of scary. Oh, yeah. Especially as a Chiefs fan, I was quite worried. Yeah. But sounds good right He'll now. He'll be out there. He'll be out there. Are they going to beat the I Bills? Can, yes. I can't imagine if he were, if he were not able to play – like I'm not. That'd be awful. I root for the Chiefs. I'm not a, a huge diehard Chiefs fan, but man, well, that'd just be terrible for mm-hmm. the NFL. Everyone, yeah, yeah. except yeah. for the Bills, probably. As much right. is like, even if you don't like like players or teams or anything like that, like I never want, like, I would never want a player like that to go down because right. that's the best product. Yeah, maybe in all of football right now. Yeah at that position and even it's like why it would you p- want to watch a game that doesn't have right that? yeah even if it was a player that you were like okay i would absolutely want him to go out and throw four interceptions yeah. and just like be terrible yeah you still don't want to see him just not play because of injury gotta say chad henney played pretty admirably at the end of he last did. week's game he, though he balled out <laughs> i don't know i don't know if he balled out but he just did exactly what needed to be done and yeah. like i didn't trust him to do that i feel so. like he, i'm just thinking of that one run play right, right that's oh, what i was gonna say I that think he, that pick that he threw was oh my yes gosh. i feel like he salvaged <laughs> his reputation yeah. in that game specifically yeah. with that one run that i oh, guess oh more gosh. so that was just incredible play calling by Andy Reid to on the on the that was so gutsy the fourth down the fourth mm-hmm. down yes. play where he threw it to Tyreek to basically yeah. seal the game was just yeah madness. had everybody fooled yeah yeah even Tony Romo was literally saying yeah, like, like this is not a real play yeah, they're gonna no just, way they oh, snap the ball here d- yep exactly if you fooled Tony Romo he oh, was yeah. like screaming <laughs> in, into the mic oh, like yeah. he uh, it, it was a great call yeah that was a fun one all right. Anything else you want to get off your chest? Any other uh, di- think about it. divergent uh, topics? I know you're ready to talk about basketball. All right. We'll turn it over to you. We're actually going to turn it over to producer Cameron because he has a report for us from the Springfield Public Schools Winter Classic, which saw Mizzou commits Anton Brookshire, Trevon Brazil, and the Kickapoo Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that what they are? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, go up against Aminu Muhammad and uh, what are they called? The Greenwood Blue Jays. That's it. And who else was there? Sunrise Christian Sunrise from Christian Kansas and, and Hartville. Hartville. Who's the class two champion and they got bumped up to class three. I I learned a lot about like the whole like class thing. Oh, it's yeah. a disaster. Now I thought that 
I watched Greenwood win the class two championship last year. Hartville was two already class three years ago. Okay. Greenwood. Yeah. I don't think won last year. Well, okay. Yeah. Two years ago is when I watched them because last year was COVID. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. That's right. They didn't play. Yeah. I think they did play though. Maybe they lost to Hartville. I don't know. Anyway, what we really want to know and you know, feel free anything else you want to tell us about, but what we really yeah, yeah, want yeah. to know is about Anton Brookshire, Trevon Brazil in particular. Um, those two both looked pretty good in the game. I didn't watch every game. I didn't watch them against um, Hartville, which Hartville went 3-0 and in this. We'll get to that in a second. Okay. But um, in the game against Greenwood, Brookshire and Brazil had 12 points each. Um, Brookshire had seven assists, led the team in assists. Um, another kid, Cameron Liggins, yeah. had – I think he's their big guy. He had 23 points. And led the team in He's rebounds. A 2022 recruit or uh, prospect. Um, but he looked really good. Um, Aminu? Yeah. Mm, not very good. What? <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say something. No. Um, it was honestly kind of disappointing. He seemed uninterested. Mm. Um, but I also heard since then they beat like a class six school, so he must have played pretty good since then. Yeah, um, he only had eight points in the first game I watched, and he only had four against Kickapoo, um, and he got in foul trouble pretty early, so that yeah. put him on the bench most of the first half. Um, but Kickapoo, I thought they looked really good. Um, I kind of wish that I w- would have gotten to see the whole game against Hartville because I just caught the end of it because um, I was there. With Greenwood people, hmm. um, so I was there mostly for that. But I got to catch the end of the Kickapoo Hartville game, and it was really close. And Kickapoo's pace is way more fun to watch than <laughs> Hartville. They got to do something about the shot clock rule yeah. in high school. That's now, absurd. Before we get too deep into this conversation, mm-hmm. I do want to make you both aware that we could very well have some Mizzou fans that are also Hartville fans listening to this podcast right now. Yeah, that's fine. That's yeah, fine. They, they're a good team. I mean, yeah. I, fundamentally, maybe one of the most like sound teams that I have watched in a while. Um, some of it is they have to be like that with the pace that they play. Right. Um, basically, they just wait until they find their opening to take a good shot or drive to the basket. Which and on some possessions means a minute. It just takes a long time. Yeah. I honestly wish I would have had like a stopwatch or something. Because I swear some of those positions got close to a minute and a half. Yeah. And so what are they finding? They're just finding driving lanes at the end of that time or they're, yeah, they're I mean, finding just, a wide open three. Yeah. I mean, just waiting for the defense to break down and some at some point. Um, and they don't have a lot of turnovers. Yeah. Um, you would love this. Their blocking out was impeccable. <laughs> I don't know yeah. if I've ever seen a team block out this well. Like when I say they were like one of the most fundamentally sound like teams I've ever watched. Like I legitimately mean that. Yeah. Um, so that but, aspect of it was probably fun, but yeah, the pace and of play. Like I still think they would easily compete with Greenwood and Kickapoo if there was some kind of shot clock. Yeah, um, but there's definitely some possessions where I was like, "All right, let's get the show on the road." I feel like sometimes high school teams really do play really like fundamentally sound basketball. Like they, like you said, they block out, they mm-hmm. take good shots, they run good offense, almost better than college teams sometimes. I think whenever they're just 
really sometimes they can just be really well coached yeah well and you know if it's a team that just doesn't have really like a a star that's going to carry them then the only way they're going to win games is by you know excellent ball movement and just you know crisp passes Mm -hmm. blocking out to get extra possessions or um, not letting the opponent have any extra possessions from offensive rebounds or turnovers but I, I absolutely agree. I've thought for a long time that there has to be a shot clock nationwide in high school basketball. Um, I, another reason you got to be good is because there's just not very many possessions, and you're never – if a team is decent, you're probably not going to blow them out because you're, every team is going to have a chance. They're going to be able to hang around because if there's mm-hmm. not very many possessions, you're not going to have that many opportunities to extend your lead. And we've seen that in college basketball too, you know slower teams are more likely to be upset you know because uh, a fast-paced team well, i guess one, a fast-paced team can build a big lead and then see it evaporate really quickly too because they're giving their opponent that many more possessions um just to kind of put it in perspective um for their speed of play kickaboo had got 27 more shots up playing greenwood than they did against hartville yeah so <laughs> They're definitely playing Hartville's game when oh, yeah. they're in that. Yeah. Well, there's nothing. really frustrating to yeah. play against. There's nothing stopping you. Like, having no shot clock, I mean, you're almost forced into it unless you can somehow get them to turn the ball over a ton. Mm-hmm. Which, when they they were really fundamentally sound. I mean, if a team like that's not fundamentally sound, then the, other, the better team's going to win, yeah. obviously. But yeah. because of that and the pace of play is what is kind of like the deadly They've got combo. it figured out got the formula yeah mm-hmm. well the meta. and they <laughs> they won class two last year so maybe they did i don't they must have played it and something um you're too busy not trying okay. not to get pandemic yeah but they're class three this year so okay yeah but all right thank you so for that research some future mizzou players playing right here in springfield i saw some clips of trayvon brazil playing against nixa mm-hmm. um from a few days ago and he looked dominant, like yeah. on defense. He had some huge blocks. He had some huge dunks as well. He yeah. he looked like a Division One player in some yeah. of the clips I saw from from that. Defending at the rim and finishing at the rim. He's got it going on. All right. So it had been a while since we'd had a Mizzou game uh, prior to the Texas A&M game. So since the uh, the debacle in the second half against Mississippi State. Uh, Mizzou had a week off due to COVID, but now they've won back-to-back games against Texas A&M and South Carolina. They beat Texas A&M 68-52. to um, That was a very ugly game. Kind of it would be. Yeah, back and forth for most of the first half. Mizzou went on a 14-0 run that stretched the end of the second half, or the end of the first half right up through the beginning of the second half. I remember saying when the first half ended, I just want to start the second half immediately mm. because we have all the momentum. Uh, but they carried it into the second half this time. They went on another 11-0 run midway through the second, and they just kind of coasted to a victory. So that was nice to see, even though it wasn't the prettiest game. Um, it was just – not the prettiest game is an understatement. It was ugly at The times. first half especially was making my eyes bleed. Yeah. Uh, but Missouri was able to get the win, and it, they kind of made it look easy down the stretch. Yeah. Well, we knew it was going to be that kind of game, but I think A&M was 
even worse on offense than I probably even anticipated, especially at home. I mean, scoring 52 points, uh, it's just painful to watch. It seems like the, every year they have, well, it's usually Savion Flag that uh, plays really well against us, and they just didn't have that guy. It looked like J.J. Chandler maybe wanted a couple of times, looked like he was interested in scoring, and I uh, got me a little bit worried, but um, he never really broke out more than one or two times. So they just could not get anything going. And, and they turned the ball over so much. Uh, they One of the few teams that turns the ball over more than Missouri, and they did turn the ball over more than Missouri in this game. That was kind of the, that was kind of the killer for them. Yeah. Uh, for Missouri, Tillman had an excellent game, 14-10, and 10, double-double, played 33 minutes, which is pr- probably the most important thing. I mean, like, if he's – staying on the floor not in foul trouble for 33 minutes it's beautiful he's gonna put up these type of numbers just from being available that much it seems like there really aren't many more more skilled big men probably in the country than jeremiah tillman and we've known that his whole time at missouri we know his potential we know how talented how fluid how good of an athlete he is day one he came to columbia with an offensive skill set that yeah. you just do not see straight out of high school. His explosiveness, his footwork, all of it is is there and has been there. But he's just these little, maybe mental mistakes or uh, just foul trouble has kept him from from putting up performances like we've seen. But he has just been another on another level, like way beyond we've seen him in consistently um, the last several games they've played. Uh, Drew Smith had a bounce back game. He was kind of desperate for one. Uh, against AM, he had uh, 15 points, six rebounds, six assists, and four steals. So that is. That was a vintage Drew Smith game. Oh, yeah. Took the words right out of my mouth. Uh, and, and I had to as, get him in there before you did. I knew that's where you were going. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, you mentioned earlier, though, uh, Missouri only 14 turnovers. That's good for Missouri. Um, what's more important is the percentage of possessions that end in a turnover, which was only 21.5%. So that's decent. Um, although four of those 14 were from Xavier Pinson. He struggled a little bit recently. Um, and like you mentioned, they forced 17 turnovers. So being on the winning end of that is huge. Yeah, he, he Xavier has struggled a little bit, but luckily we haven't really played anybody the last couple of games that we really needed him. Um, and Drew's bounced back, and, and Mark had a good game um, against South Carolina. So mm-hmm. we've had other guys step up, but... We really need Xavier to uh, to kind of figure out the turnovers things because he just he's so talented and uh, kind of like Tillman he's just we know what his ceiling can be but there's just a couple of things that hold him back and, and turnovers is is obviously the the main thing that is uh, a detriment to him, to his play. Yeah, uh, it's been good to see Drew Smith control his fouling uh, in these last two games because he was just giving us some head scratching fouls just you know like five feet past the free throw line mm-hmm. or like it's reaching in too much yeah and obviously he generates a lot of steals by being pesky um and a little bit handsy on defense but you can just see him overplay a couple times and that's and maybe you got you got to live with some of that um getting burned a couple times he doesn't get burned by giving up an open basket usually he gets burned by just being a little bit too aggressive and fouling mm-hmm. yeah you can you can put up with it uh, if he is getting steals and stuff, but a lot of the times the fouls do kind of start to accumulate. And mm-hmm. if Xavier is not playing well, then we're yeah. really screwed. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need Drew on the floor uh, producing. Um, Missouri, one stat that jumped out to me, Missouri stop, shot 64% from two while holding A&M to 41% from two. 
Uh, that'll win you just about any game that you play. Um, it was nice to just kind of have a, a boring victory. And I would say that we got two of those. Mm-hmm. Um, there were maybe s- some more flashy highlight plays in the South Carolina game that just kind of made it more fun to watch. Yeah. And the offense was just rolling a little bit better. Yeah, I would say that was definitely a, a significantly different style of game mm-hmm. than A&M. And that's another thing that you love to see. Yeah. We'll transition here to the South Carolina game. Uh, after A&M, Missouri uh, was now, was at that point, 8-2 and two overall, 2-2 two and two in conference. A&M dropped to 7-5, and 2-4 and four in conference. That's a team that is not going to be near Missouri in the standings if Missouri has the season that we want them to at the end of the season. So you have to win those kind of games. You, you just – the Mississippi State game was enough – of a team that is n- not competing for a top four spot in the conference. Yeah, and just, all they've done since we played them is lose. Yeah. They lost to AM too, which blows my mind. Yeah. So you just really can't have those losses. And we, I mean, they really need to limit it now to just the one in Mississippi State from here on out as far as losing to, you know, bottom five teams. But unfortunately, it's, it's you're probably not going to only lose one um, in a season. It's just a shame that it came after Missouri had an 18 point lead. But moving on to a nice win against South Carolina, uh, and you almost called it perfectly. You had this as a high-scoring game. Uh, you had a score of 82 to 74. Ended up being 81 to 70. Xavier Pinson was shooting free throws at the end of this game when it was pretty much garbage time, and it, it was they had 80 points. He made the first one, and I was like, "Come on!" I was like aware that <laughs> oh, yeah. I was getting close to my projection. And he missed the second one, that which would have given them 82 points. I was like, no. Yeah. <laughs> I was telling him, no, yeah, we don't need Kyle yeah. to get it exactly right. Now. Yeah. You, uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You, uh, you scoffed at me last week telling me uh, that we might even have to return to that segment uh, because it could have been a cold take that yeah. I predicted a high scoring game. I'm happy to return to it. So I just wanted Missouri to. Missouri scored 81. I, I will point that out, but I, I will also um, be humble and say I predicted Missouri to lose to A&M. So. I yeah. can't be right all the time. I don't know what you were thinking there. <laughs> yeah, that was that would have been a, a disaster. Well, it would have been, yeah. But A and M, like I said, was just far worse than I anticipated. South Carolina was not very good either. Yeah, uh, they have had just the most COVID issues you can imagine, and poor Frank Martin, man, yeah. he just he he's, didn't look that great. Yeah, he's been through it this season. Yeah, and I kind of feel bad for him. Yeah, me too. Uh, by all accounts, everybody that has ever talked to him or worked with him say, says he's a great guy. Mm-hmm. And so he's kind of easy to root for, even though his teams kind of play a style that I don't love on defense. And that's just because they're pesky and good. They stick on you like glue, that's yeah. for sure. Uh, luckily, uh, he doesn't quite have the talent in South Carolina that he has had in previous seasons. And Missouri was able to take advantage of it. They kind of controlled this one the whole way. Mm-hmm. Uh, they jumped out to a 13 to two lead. That was right a fun at, way to start. Yes, um, and they kind of never looked back. I yeah. mean, they pretty much had it in control. Yeah, offense was was rolling the whole game. Looked really confident. Uh, Tillman playing out of his mind again. I mean, South Carolina's tallest player is like six six, trying to guard Tillman. That just was a nightmare for yeah. him all night. And, and they Tillman did they whatever didn't, he wanted. They didn't have a good option for a double team he was just it was so easy for him to pass over everybody they could have gone to Tillman a lot more and it would have been just fine but they really didn't need to because Mark was hitting threes and uh, everybody played pretty well against South Carolina to be honest maybe Xavier still kind of struggled yeah Uh, Drew had another solid game 16 points no steals in this one Um, I still think 
he's got to be a shoe in for first team all defense uh, at the end of the season. Yeah, he got snubbed last year. Yeah. Um, yeah. You mentioned Mark Smith. He finally broke out of a slump. I mean, he was in a, like, I don't know, something like a six, half the season. Yeah, six game long slump, uh, six out of 10. And uh, yeah, he's the definition of streaky. Yeah. 18 points in this one, three of seven from three. It's kind of a joke between uh, you and I now that he, man, it seems like he makes threes in games where we don't necessarily need them all that much. And it doesn't matter as much. I mean, yeah. it's not like Missouri just completely destroyed South Carolina where True. we didn't need Mark, but... It was down to a 10-point game It late. was, but... With like four minutes left. It was kind of garbage time, yeah. in my opinion. I think that the game felt like it was more dominance than yes. the final score reflected, but, I mean... You're right, though. I, I still feel like in the games where we could really, really need a bucket for Mark, it just doesn't quite seem to happen. I'm sure there's an example of it happening, but <laughs> it just the the perception you get after a little while when it when he misses in some clutch moments, yeah, just and it just seems like he is hesitant to pull the trigger sometimes. Well, yeah, and he miss, starts he misses a couple and then doesn't want it to just keep snowballing, I guess. Which, now I guess if he's just gonna go one for seven then yeah nobody wants that but that's obviously a fine line when you have a guy that's supposed to be a good shooter uh, it seems like missouri has had to deal with that the last oh uh, well i mean outside of the year with jonte cassius and um jordan barnett then there's just always been a a few guys where it's like man they're supposed to be better shooters than this yeah they haven't really shot the three ball well since what 2012 season <laughs> yeah i, I mean they were really good in 2012 2013 season but they still didn't shoot the three ball very well that year yeah i mean you think back to like yeah that uh for Conzo's first year with those three guys and then uh before that you got to think about like jabari brown yeah um, he was pretty much lights out that's true and they had good supporting shooters in like ernest ross and jordan clarkson could could confidently knock down a three so yeah that's there's been as some, a team though yeah it seems like we haven't really uh, hasn't been a strong point for mizzou in a really long time i'm just gonna just see how Let's accurate see. Got, i'm gonna see how accurate real that take data. is real quick okay uh, so obviously the the year you mentioned the 2017 season or whatever that was was, uh, was good it's 17, te- technically we called yeah 18 uh, and they were, and then the year they were twenty sixth in three point shooting. Okay, and then the year with Jabari Brown and Jordan Clarkson was probably not as good as that, but decent. That would have been they. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, very middle of the road, one hundred sixty sixth, shooting about thirty four percent as a team. But uh, I got to think the 2012-2013 squad was probably around that as well. And then, I don't know, after that, probably. Yeah, sorry. 12-13 was that 166. Year before that, obviously, two-seed year, they were 10th at 39.8. That's good. I would take some of that. (laughs) Uh, An underrated year, though, Konzo's second year, uh, 78th in the country and 36.3%. And that was a lot of Mark Smith. Uh, obviously, his sophomore season uh, coming in and shooting 45%. Mm. And that kind of his reputation was completely reversed from his time at Illinois. Um, 
he shot like 26% as a freshman. Yeah. Turned around, shot 45%. And we haven't quite been able to get there since then. Uh, anything else about this South Carolina game? Uh, Missouri went to the free throw line 30 times, only made 20. Yes. So South Carolina was in the double bonus like eight minutes into the second half. Yeah, it would have been nice to see Missouri convert a few more of those. And in a close game, you need to if you're Missouri. Um, getting there 30 times is awesome, but only making 20, not so much. Uh, they, I was really happy with their three-point shooting, mainly that they just didn't attempt that many. Mitchell Smith hasn't taken a three in a while. Yeah. Um, I'm afraid uh, Twitter might have hurt his feelings. But well, hopefully the coaching staff didn't hurt his feelings, but just told him to take it easy. Um, <laughs> the Missouri, yeah, take it easy, would you? Yeah, <laughs> take it easy on those three-pointers now, would you? <laughs> Um, Missouri as a team was 5 of 13, and that's obviously terrific. I yeah. mean, that's just under 40%. Yeah, I mean. So you can't ask for that every night, but even uh, 4 for 13, that looks a lot better to me than they could easily go from 4 for 13 to 5 for 22. And just not, it's just not necessary to take yeah. that many threes when especially when yeah tillman's dominating and you're playing their their tallest player is like six seven or something yeah. like yeah you don't you don't shoot 23s in a game you just keep feeding tilly yes uh cameron i do have one question for you on, on the notes uh i'd like a little bit of an explanation you wrote mizzou uh talking about the south carolina game <laughs> you wrote mizzou basically controlled the whole gamester <laughs> jumping out to an early 13 to 2 lead can you elaborate on that one that's what i call games oh, okay I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what happened there. They controlled the whole gamester. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, that's okay. Just I I didn't know if that was like a maybe some jargon I didn't understand or something. <laughs> no. Maybe in my head, but alas no. That's some kind of typo that I can't explain. <laughs> Thanks for pointing that out though. Oh, you're so welcome. Uh anything else here? I mentioned this in the Texas A and M game, but uh Missouri kind of shut down South Carolina, although they're not really known for their offensive firepower. South Carolina shot 45% from two, 29% from three. Pretty much take that out of Missouri's opponent anytime. Yeah. Uh, so SEC outlook, uh, Alabama good, Kentucky bad, Missouri's middle of the road right now. Alabama, we said they were legit and good last week, and all they did was just destroy they everybody they played destroyed everyone they played LSU they set a new record for SEC an SEC game of three pointers made in a game and they had their starters out for like 75% of the game they beat LSU by like 40 plus can you imagine John, John Petty was 8 for 10 from 3 I was going to say I mean what do you do if the other team's just that hot like yeah, there's literally just, nothing you can you're do you just like okay we give up yeah. we we concede yes yeah, that was nuts. Yeah. I watched the just like the end of that game, and there were no starters playing for Alabama. They destroyed uh, Arkansas too. Um, that might have been last week though, but I think they're undefeated in conference, aren't they? Yeah, it's unbelievable. How did they? How have they lost three games? I have no idea. They're probably uh, they're probably gonna win like fifteen SEC games now. I mean, that just came out of nowhere. Their schedule just kind of sets up now for them. They've got a lot of their tough games out of the way. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, who did they lose to, though? I don't even know. They lost to a uh, top 50 team in Stanford and Clemson, and then a top 100 team in Western Kentucky. But They lost to Western Kentucky. Yeah, I'll tell you the story of that game. 
is the fact that they shot seven for 26 from three. Alabama did. So when the shots aren't falling. Western Kentucky has had some decent recruiting classes, though. Yeah. They've got like a they have like a five star center on their team. Yep, Char- Charles Bassey. Bassey, no, that's his name. But still, they ought to beat that. They ought to beat him. Yeah, top one hundred team. Mm-hmm. Only lost by two. How many times did we play Alabama this year? Do we do we only play them once? I sure hopefully? hope so. <laughs> you know, I'm not the person to talk about with the with COVID and schedule rearranging. Well, you, the one with the laptop. So, oh, oh sure, I'll <laughs> tell you. They play Alabama one time. Missouri plays Alabama on Saturday, February 6th. Homer away, please. That is a home game. Ooh. Missouri. That's a big one. Yep. Need shots to not be falling for Alabama that night. What about Tennessee this coming Saturday? Hey, we haven't played them in a while. So all Tennessee did after destroying Missouri in Missouri Arena was just be basically a completely different team and struggle to win games and get blown out by Florida. They Makes sense. lost to Alabama immediately. That's kind of sparked Alabama's you know, yeah. ascent to the top of college basketball. Um, and then, yeah, they got, they got blown out by Florida. Listen to this. You, you want to know what I want to see from Tennessee against Missouri on I, Saturday? I would like to know. I want to see 35% from two and 17% from three. Because that's what they did against Florida. Oh, my. So, yeah, I mean, when we played Tennessee the first time, it was like playing against Michael Jordan. Every every player on the floor was Michael Jordan yeah. for them. Like, they, they made everything, no matter where they were on the court. And it was really frustrating. And East uh, Ponds was like Shaq. And, like, every shot that Missouri put up was altered or blocked. And, yeah, I just – I would like to know, like, what's what's happened – since that game and i would like to uh i would like to uh have them not play that way on saturday <laughs> yeah they were without uh the, one of their star freshmen Jaden springer against florida i think he'll be back for the missouri game not sure though jerry springer no Jaden. okay jerry's that's, son that's different <laughs> jerry's nephew sorry um yeah he was out against florida he's a good player i just can't believe those shooting numbers I mean, Florida, Mike White, he's known for having a good defense, but that's just a disaster for Tennessee. They were never in that game with those kind of numbers. What, what's Missouri got to do? I don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what kind of prediction to make here. They're still um, a terrible matchup for Missouri. They are. They're, they're, what Missouri thrives off of is two-point scoring. Right? That's, what they've, that's how they've been successful this year is they've, they've been better on the interior and i feel like they're gonna get dominated on the interior in this game and that's exactly what happened the first time they played tennessee is they're not jeremiah tillman's not going against 6-6 south carolina rando they're going against east ponds and that's a totally different story and i don't know I, missouri's gonna have to shoot the three ball so much better than they did the first time because that's really the only area that i think they can take advantage of of tennessee uh, when tennessee's on defense so I think it's fair to say um, the Missouri game has been Tennessee's best defensive performance in conference play by a decent margin. Uh, they held Texas A&M to 33% on two-pointers, which is just abysmal, but um, Texas A&M not a great offensive team, obviously. 
um, to just shut down completely the only thing that Missouri's been good at. I just have to think Missouri will be more productive inside this time around. They have to be. I mean, that's exactly what happened last time is they said, well, we can't get a layup off. Like we, we can't get a shot off inside because we're getting blocked. I guess we'll start shooting some threes. Oh, wait, we're terrible at that. Yeah. And I so mean, there's just a recipe for a complete blowout. Yeah, this would be the perfect game for um, Xavier Penson to break out of his slump a little bit. And mm-hmm. um, against Tennessee the first time, he was getting to the rim at times, but his shot, it was like he just never had a chance for the, the ball to go in. Like yeah. he was getting to the rim, and then it was like, well, he's never making it because the defense was just playing it perfectly every time. Yeah. They, they have an uncanny way to just play the angles to where you it looks like you're you've got a decent chance to make a basket at the rim and they just make it difficult and um penson hasn't been the most efficient even when he does get to the rim and drew smith honestly the same story for him our our only players that are i would say superior in their efficiency in the paint would be obviously tillman um javon pickett and Mitchell Smith, like those are the only guys, and even Mitchell, maybe not quite as much, but I don't know. Yeah, this joke has kind of become overused at this point, but we need uh, we need Pickett to think he's playing the other orange team. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> that would be helpful. But he's had a, a solid run here lately. Yeah. He's been doing exactly what you need him to do, though. Right. He really has been playing uh, really good basketball in the last few weeks. You want to make any kind of prediction about this one? I'll make a prediction. Uh, I think uh, Tennessee wins 71 to 62. Uh, Ken Pomeroy himself has it uh, Tennessee 68 to 62. So Mm. great minds think alike there. Apparently. Man. Got a computer for a brain. (laughs) I just wish Missouri had made it more competitive yeah. at Missouri Arena. I, I got to think now with the way Tennessee has performed, I, I thought they were just going like to not lose a conference game, obviously, not literally. Me too. I was like, yeah, they're going to the Final Four. That's yeah. what I said on the, on this very podcast <laughs> after we played against them. Yeah. Like, well, this is I guess this is what happens if Michael Jordan is uh, is, is alive and well <laughs> at the, in college again. <laughs> I hope he's okay. <laughs> he's, he's, he's fine, everybody. As far I, as I, don't know, know. I don't know why I said alive. All right. Well, I'm going to predict that Missouri takes advantage. Now here I got, I'm got. i thinking oh. that Tennessee is going to be all psyched up. They just got destroyed by Florida, so they're not going to let that happen again. Mm-mm. They're going to come out strong, and Tennessee is going to win a close one. Give me Tennessee 73 Missouri, 68. Now, we had some Tennessee fans come and uh, and say some things in the comments after our Tennessee recap a few weeks yeah. ago, and they they liked how we uh, how we um, uh, analyzed Tennessee yeah, at that they, point. They liked how we gave just, like, undying praise yes. uh, to the team of the century. Yeah, so if, uh, if you guys are listening again, Feel free to let us know in the comments. First of all, let us know what's happened to Tennessee. Since you, yeah. I'm assuming you guys have watched all, all of Tennessee's games. Uh, what in the world has happened, and 
what's going to happen in this game. What are, what are your yeah, predictions? We need a prediction. Mm-hmm. So after Missouri, I say, you know, loses a close one to Tennessee, they go on the road and play Auburn, a.k.a. Sharif Cooper and company. <laughs> it's a one-man show, basically. That's what they've become. Yeah. Uh, this season. How is he not in the NBA? How did he not That's leave? not allowed, Kyle. You have to. Is he a freshman this year? Yes. Oh, my word. <laughs> I swear he played last year. No, 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 no. You'd have known if he played last year. He'd have been all SEC. <laughs> probably player of the year. Yeah. But uh, we actually saw him live in person uh, when he was at the Bass Pro Tournament of Champions here in Springfield as a junior. He was uh, most valuable player of the tournament. Oak Hill. McEachern. Georgia alongside I tried alongside former <laughs> Auburn Tiger uh Alex Okoro Alex okay. Isaac Isaac that's definitely yeah. it. there's a- Alex went to Oregon or something Isaac Okoro yeah that's how the announcer said it <laughs> uh so yeah we saw him in person tournament of champions he destroyed everyone as a junior he was just far and away the best player in that tournament mm-hmm. and his McEachern team was excellent. He and Okoro were just a dynamic duo, and they both looked honestly. They both looked like they could play in the NBA, like the following season. And Cooper was only a junior in high school, so I can see why you thought he, that's probably why I got mis- mixed yeah, up. Yeah, yeah. Timeline was a little off there. Mm. So Auburn is eight and seven on the season. They are two and two with Cooper in the lineup. He was there was eligibility stuff early in the season with him. Is he going to play? Is he not going to play? Um I can tell you Auburn wishes they had him for the start of conference play for sure uh because they lost to Texas A&M and uh Ole Miss. They have Yikes. they have now uh lost twice to Arkansas. But really you can almost ignore everything pre Sharif Cooper rejoining the team and playing in games because uh, since then they played Alabama really close, lost 94 to 90, and Cooper had 26 points in that one, his college debut. Then uh, they beat Georgia 95 77, beat Kentucky 66 to 59, and then just lost a really close game at Arkansas 75 to 73. Yeah, they're a completely different team when he's on the floor. He has scored in his four collegiate games 26, 28, 11, and 25 points. And one of those was a 28 and 12 point assist double double. Jeez. Yeah. He's really good. Uh, does Auburn have any other players? We don't know. Is Bruce Pearl even still there? He sure is. Is he in jail? No, they haven't, they haven't caught him yet. They did catch him actually at Tennessee, but uh, that was a, that was a lifetime ago in college basketball. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to say that hopefully Missouri has uh, some defensive-minded guards that can maybe maybe do something here, but I don't know. Auburn is still, I mean, they're still a seventy-ish Kimpom team without. Sharif Cooper we'll see I think um, undoubtedly their rank their rating will rise 
as the season goes on with him uh, running point for them and scoring a bunch of points for them. I don't know how you slow him down. I mean, hope he shoots bad. Yeah, Alabama's a a better defensive team according to the metrics than Missouri, and uh, he put up twenty six and the team scored ninety ninety two or something. So, yeah, this is honestly like a this is a toss up. I, I this was definitely a win for Missouri before uh, Sharif Cooper existed on their team. Um, I don't know. This is just a complete coin flip for me um i'll say i'll i'll try and redeem myself for the a&m uh debacle and i will predict a close missouri win 75 to 74 that is close that's about as close as you can get um i think auburn is going to be one of those teams within a couple games of missouri in the sec standings at the end of the season and looking at their advanced metrics, they give up a ton of offensive rebounds. That's always a good sign for Missouri. Um, and they don't force a ton of turnovers, they're kind of middle of the road in that area. Um, in conference play, they're seventh on offense, ninth on defense. So, it, I mean, honestly, it is the Sharif Cooper show. So, you got to just try to shut him down and make somebody else beat you. Um, hopefully Conzo can get a little bit creative on the defensive side of the ball there. I think Missouri wins it, and you're, again, you're kind of right there with Mr. Ken Pomeroy. He's got it as a one-point Auburn win, 72-71. to 71. No, he doesn't. I'm looking. I'm sorry. I'm looking at. I'm looking at Auburn's page. I not, fully believed you. Not that it's that different. He's got it as a one-point Missouri win, seventy-two to seventy-one. Oh, okay. Well, you made it sound like that was just the most absurd thing you ever said. Well, it's one hundred percent wrong. What I said. True. So. True. Uh, man, I don't know. I think this is going to be a high-scoring game. I think Missouri wins, seventy-eight. 76. Okay. All right. Mark Smith, we need you. Yeah. Penson, we need you too. <laughs> All hands on deck, please. And most importantly, Tillman, we need you to keep playing well. We need these two. We can't just assume he's going to keep playing well. We ha- he ha- that's, we're getting a little comfortable. Like, yeah. all right. We can't, um, I don't think we can just rely on Tillman getting a double double. He's got game. it figured out. Okay. Eve Pond's nothing. Don't tell can him I said that. Like Don't tell him I said can that. Can we leave that out? <laughs> All right. Anything else this week? I think that covers it. Okay. Take it away then. All right, everybody. You can find this podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Missouri Sports Pod, and you can email us at Missouri Sports Pod at gmail.com. You can find t-shirts and stickers on our online shop, missourisportspod.bigcartel.com. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll see you next week.